Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And after some microphone difficulties this morning, we are up and running. <laughs> Technology is not my friend this morning. It wasn't your friend last night either. But oh, correct. Yeah, we're having some technical difficulties. But we're here. Um, and I was not here this weekend, but I did listen to your sermon online, so. Which one? Um, <laughs> the one that is actually on the text that we're going to talk about, gotcha. which was the rich man and his um, question to Jesus about what must he do to, to earn eternal life, and Jesus was like, give up everything. Sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me. And the man walked away very unhappy and sad because he had many possessions that he couldn't give up. So two things that I noticed that stuck out to me in the reading this time that didn't necessarily stick out in the reading before, like previous times I've read the text. This is a pretty familiar text. Right. Um, not like super, super familiar, but like if you've been in church, you probably know this because it's made you uncomfortable. Um, what stood out to me... One, um, there were only like six of the commandments named, not ten. None of the ones in relationship to God were named. And maybe it was because they were assumed, right? But only six were named. And I have kept the commandments since my youth. So like, are we excusing youthful, you know, ignorance? Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought that was interesting. I've kept the, I've kept the commandments since my youth. Yeah, well, I mean, to huh. me, I guess that meant I've, I've kept them my whole life because, you know, since I was young and could keep them, I've yeah. kept them. Yeah. That, that's how I understand it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, something that stood out this time that, that didn't, I didn't really take notice to. And I think you don't take notice to it, you know, at first glance because much like the rich man, you're kind of shocked by Jesus' answer. Give up everything. Like, not like some, not a little, give up everything. You know, and I, I kind of jokingly, um, in, my, in, in my sermon, you know, said, listen, like, I'm not crazy enough to suggest that y'all just give everything up. Jesus is that crazy, but I'm not that crazy to think that you know, you should just give everything up. I mean, I, I mean. Well, and, and to be fair, yeah. it, it's, it's a little bit of a departure from the Hebrew texts that I don't think ever really, it, there was a lot, there's, the Hebrew texts talk a lot about economic justice. They don't say give up everything. Right. So, I mean, it, that, that does become a bit of a radical um, departure from what has been before. Right. So, so that kind of lends the question, um, and the question that came out in the commentary, is this text ultimately only about money? Right? Is this text only about giving up money? Or is it about giving up anything that... Whatever that obstacle is, whatever that barrier is, Jesus knew... This, you know, the theory in the commentary, and, and I, I think it holds, holds water. You know, Jesus knew when this dude approached him that money was, his, money was his thing. Like, he had lots of possessions. Money was his thing. Are you willing to give up your thing for me? Which is really what it comes down to, you know, taking that angle. Whatever right. your thing is, are you willing to give it up? Right. Which, when you juxtapose that with the reading from last week of the widow who did give everything up. Yep. Um, flip side of that being, she did not have lots, lots of things to give up. Right. Um, which again, kind of plays into that, the more you have, the more, it, more hold it has over you. Yep. Um, the harder it is yeah. to give up your toys, give up your, <laughs> you know, your, your lifestyle, that kind of stuff. When which, which maybe is somewhat counterintuitive. Like, if I have a lot, I, I mean, I have more to share. Right. If I don't have it, man, I don't have much. I got to keep what I have. 
And, and, and I think that, so that goes kind of to something that we talk about a lot, you know, God of scarcity versus God of abundance. You know, do we, do we believe and have faith that, you know, we worship a God of scarcity or a God of abundance? And that's worth wrestling with. Yeah. Um, because I think most of the time we operate out of scarcity, not abundance. Is, will I have enough for X, Y, and Z? Right. And, and to be fair, you know, this is not a, well, this is how all y'all operate. It's not how I operate. I know it's how I operate, too. I'm, you know, I look at, well, gee, am I ever going to be able to retire? Gee, am I ever going to be able to do X, Y, or Z? What am I, you know, do I have enough money to pay for, for these things? Well, um, I, I mean, I can answer the retirement piece. Am I going to have enough money to retire? <laughs> My answer is no. No, yeah, no. We, I, I think we've both pretty much figured out um, already that we're never going to be able to retire. <laughs> and and maybe, maybe the good thing is, like, apparently... Pastors just can't retire, not because they don't want to, but because they just always feel called to keep doing stuff. Yeah, I've yet to see, not entirely true, there are almost zero pastors that I know that don't continue to do ministry of some sort even after they retire. Oh, I'm going to retire from ministry. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to take an interim. Yeah, it, it's more of a, I'm going to retire from... Full-time ministry. Full-time being under a particular call Yeah, um, is what we retire from. We don't tend to actually retire from right. ministry. We Which don't. is just interesting. Yeah, we usually find something to be involved in. We find something that um, is still our passion that we continue to, to do and to work in. And... Um, I mean, so. Maybe the good news is, you know, we don't have jobs where we're, you know, turning wrenches. So as long as you have your mental faculties about you, um, you can still do ministry as opposed to, you know, some, some physically demanding um, careers where as your physical health deteriorates, your strength deteriorates, you just can't do them. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. But... I'm not, I, I can't say I'm not looking forward to retirement because I don't even, I don't even see that as a thing. I was going to say, I don't, I, I don't even know what, what that, that might even possibly look like. But yeah, which is okay. Yeah. Um, but that reality of, I know I have bills to pay. I know that these are the things that I need to take care of. And, you know, there, there are some other places um, in the New Testament that, say lovely things like, you know, don't be indebted to anyone, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So you get sort of this, I guess you might call it a mixed messaging of, uh, you know, making sure that, that you, you don't fall into debt to people. Right. And at the same time, you've got Jesus here saying, but give everything away. And how do we hold those kinds of texts in tension? And, you know, yep. recognize that. And I, yeah. And, and it's hard because on the one hand, when we're, our, our impulse with, with Jesus is to say, well, he was being hyperbolic. He was, you know, he didn't really expect that this guy was going to do that. Um except for the fact that if you're the type of person who really does take the things Jesus says pretty literally and seriously, then you really have to wrestle and contend with what, what he's going after here. Because yeah. it's something I don't see a whole lot of people following including myself. Right. Um, I would say I gave up a lot when I went to seminary. Um, you know, I gave up what was at the time a fairly lucrative career, a nice little bank account, um, a house, blah, blah, blah. Got rid of all that and moved into what I used to call the ghetto apartments up at Luther Seminary. 
Um, I'll tell you what, seminary housing ain't cream of the crop. No, it is not. Um, I loved how my, uh, some of my friends, the first apartment they had, they could see the water line of where it had flooded because... <laughs> That was lovely. We had housing in Gettysburg that every time it rained, the one apartment would flood. Um, Luckily, we were not. We were Um, on the second floor of a different building. No, actually, we we were on the third floor of a different building. We had an actual flooding event while I was there where literally I was in my bathing suit out wading in hip-deep water helping um, people pass their furniture out through the windows trying to, to salvage what they could, but yeah. um, point being, you know, I can look at that time in my life and say, yeah, I was, I was pretty willing to give up a lot of stuff. I, I gave up a career. I gave up um, a nice paycheck. I gave up um, the house. I gave up, you know, all that stuff to basically kind of start my whole career and life over. My struggle... My struggle is how much of my time is my own? Right. Like, this could literally be, it's a 24-7, it's a 24-7 job, but it's not 24-7, if that makes sense. Like, like I'm available 24-7, whether or not you are actively working, you know, t- is, is a little different. You know what I mean? Like, so but you can't a, kill, you, you can't fill cups with empty vessels. Correct. So I, my struggle is making that, is trying to figure out where that line is in terms of time. So, um, I was here twice last night after dinner. Um, one reasonably successful trip here and one technological failure. Um, <laughs> and, and both things, one of them absolutely needed to be done. Um, you know, we have tombstone, tomb grave markers that need to be done. So we have some, we have some funerals coming up. Um, so they needed to be made. I, am, I, I have learned that um, God did not call me to concrete work. Um, that is not one of my spiritual gifts, um, so to speak. So that's, that's a thing. Um, but needed to be done. Came in. And then there's other things that God just kind of tugs at you with and pulls you and you say, oh man, like, should, I, I feel like I need to do this. And then you have to decide whether or not you're going to say, nah, 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 or, or yeah. Like, so, so for me, it's off. I, 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 this is not breaking news. Um, you will not see this on CNN. Um, I, taking my day off is not something I'm good at. <laughs> um, I've gotten better. So, yes, last week was just, like, I swear it was full moon every day last week. It was just crazy, like yeah. weird stuff, super and, busy. And it didn't help probably that I was gone because whatever but stuff you, that might have fallen. <laughs> so, so, some thing, so some things didn't happen that would have happened either had you been here or the week not, has been so, not have been so crazy, if that makes sense. Like there's some things like, oh, Pastor Rebecca usually does that. I'll do it. And then under a normal week, eh. Okay, it gets done. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Last week with like the weird full moon crate, whatever, whatever was going on. The blood moon. That yeah, was, whatever mojo yeah. was going on last week was just like weird. It's like, man, I, it was a killer week. And super, and I knew it was going to be a busy week. And you know, we had the baccalaureate service as part of our 1115 service for one of the local high schools. And you know, trying to incorporate that in was extra, you know, added to a little bit of crazy. It was good craziness, but a little bit of craziness. Um, just lots of things going on. I thought, just get through the week, just get through the week, just get through the week. And then I got through the week, and then Sunday night, 
you know, my wife and I sat down and we kind of looked at this week because generally we kind of try to tackle it, get an overview of the week <laughs> ahead on Sunday and then divide and conquer each day you know, before we go to bed, um, conquer, figure out the next day. And you know, Sunday we look at it I'm like, this week isn't any better. Like this week is crazy busy. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Woke up Monday, I'm like, you know, I really, like, I, I should probably go into the office. Like, I, I, I should probably go into the office and, and, and do some stuff. And I woke up and, you know, took the kids to school and, you know, did some, did some stuff at the house. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. It, like, no, you know what? I'm not. I need, I, need, I need to take this day, that whole empty vessels thing. So I went and played around the golf and, and did, and, and, but for me, I ha there are oftentimes I have to actively tell myself, no, 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 no. I know that you had a lot to do. It'll get done. And even God you, gave us a day of rest for a reason. Right. So it's like, so, okay, so maybe. And it's not just for the privileged. Right. And, Correct. Correct. And I mean, that's one of the things I sometimes feel guilty because I'm like, Oh, I'm taking a day off, but I know there are people out there that have to work, you know, seven days a week. They don't have the luxury of my, you know, the day off and, and to, you know, whatever because of this. And then I have to remember, but that's not how it's intended to be. I, I remember when we were having the roof put on our faith development center. And the one week they worked on a Sunday. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. But what you doing? We... Talk about a bad look. Yeah. Um, now, again, we didn't control the schedule. We certainly didn't. And in fact, I actively pushed for them not to work on Sunday. And, oh, my guys, my guys need, need to get the work done. And we have another job. Like, I, I hear you. And also. But again, that which drives us to that kind of a schedule. Yep. And pushes us is something we need to look at as well societally. Um, because let's face it, we, we like to one-up each other on how hard we work and how exhausted we are. And it's a badge of honor. It's a, yeah, it's a badge of honor that I worked 80 hours this week. Um, you, you measly people over here just work in your 40-hour weeks. And, you know, that, that's, that's kind of sick and twisted. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it, it's a fine line. And it's... Yeah. So when I, when I took my first call in, so this kind of lends itself to the oddness of ministry. You know, we talk about, you know, Sabbath and, you know, and you know, kind of being mindful of our time and all, all those things. Um, my first call was 40 hours a week at the congregation, at one congregation, and 10 hours a week at another congregation partially working with their campus ministry program. So the expectation, like right out of the gate, like the stated expectation written in my call paperwork, 50 hours a week. I'm like, huh. And it didn't occur to me at the time. Like, okay, cool. I'm like, all right, cool, that's cool. And, and then I started, you know, because I was excited. Like, I'm like, man, this is exciting. I'm, you know, excited to do to be here and lots of, lots of fun stuff going on. Um, but then you look at it from a biblical perspective and go, wait a minute. So the expectation, the expectation is, is 50 hours a week. Huh. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, when it's laid out, that's the expectation of what you're going to do. It's kind of like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, what I didn't realize was that it says it, 50 hours a week, and the reality is you're still working more than that anyway. Yeah, it, it's, it's if, if the 50 hours is what they've actually, like, put on paper, red flag. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that expectation is actually going to be more like 70 to 80. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so here's... Here's where it gets even, even more twisted. So the reality is the call I was in, um, they were pretty content um, as long as things were rolling on Sunday morning. 
trying to get engagement for some other things through the week was, was a challenge. Um, so it was like, oh, so y'all really don't want, you want to say 40 hours a week, but you don't really want, I mean, I found, I found stuff to do and I loved the, the, I loved it. I love that freedom to, you know, be engaged in the community and, and things like that. But in terms of like your standard, you know, Bible studies and, and those types of things, they didn't show like they said they wanted to do it, but when you actually laid them out, it wasn't something that you know, they responded to. They were perfectly content. If I'm in the hospital, come visit me. And on Sunday morning, hey, let's have a good worship service. And last, so last week, one of our, one of our members who volunteers a lot in the office, a lot in the office, I jokingly said she works eight days a week in the office. She volunteers yeah. eight days a week at the and, church. And, and runs the church because the church kind of wouldn't function if she decided to quit um, helping. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. And she, she was sitting in my office and, and kind of witnessing the chaos of last week. And she came in, she said, she was, Pastor, don't leave. <laughs> and I just kind of, I just kind <laughs> That's of smiled. so sweet. I just kind of smiled. I said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I will say for a brief moment, I was like, you know, I remember the time in Gainesville when I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is kind of, they're, I'm going to go volunteer and do some stuff and I'm going to go do this. And I said, you know, there are times this week when I'd be like, man, that was nice. I, I didn't feel like I was on crazy pills and it was full. Well, that cra- I, I didn't feel like I was on crazy pills for a different reason. Um, but it was just, it was, it was just weird. Now, the reality is I, 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 I like the busyness. I like all the stuff going on. Um, Again, last week was just weird, crazy stuff. Like, why? It was a little extra. It was. It was extra, extra. Like, this is, like, why is this coming to me? Like, like. (laughs) Why, why, why is this my concern? Like, I understand the whole structure and I get it, but, like, it, this shouldn't be in my, my this purview. This, this is not part. something I care about, not something I want to be involved in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have bandwidth for this. I'm glad that, that, that you care about this, and that's awesome. Well, but, and to remember that, you know, we have people specifically to care about certain things because they shouldn't be yeah. on the senior pastor's plate. Yeah. Because like, that's, the, that's the whole point. But I yeah. literally spent two days, this is not my thing, <laughs> in more colorful language. <laughs> I'm yeah. proud of myself. How many minutes into the podcast are we? Um, twenty-two. Twenty-two uh, minutes. And I have not. I have not used any colorful language. Uh, yes. I, I, I'm, so, I was just going to ask: Are there any bodies I need to be like digging up for? No. Nope. Okay. So no uh, one. No one got killed. No. So that's that's an important part. There are no bodies buried in the woods. <laughs> but. So back to our text about <laughs> giving are, up everything. <laughs> what, are the, what is the thing What is the thing that gets in the way? Right. So, again, money is, is what's brought up in, in this text, and understandably so. Money is, is a huge obstacle. Money drives so many things. Um, I read something last week in preparation. I don't think I mentioned it in my sermon but it was essentially, they did a survey and asked, and I don't know how many you know, millionaires um, about their, their wealth and what it afforded them. And they said, yeah, the best thing it affords is opportunity and voice. Our money can buy influence. I mean, that's essentially our money, having money buys influence, um, which is what we see so much of in our, in our politics, like money buys influence. Um, and that's why, you know, those stories of, you know, the grassroots politicians, you know, literally raising 15, five, 10, 15, 20 bucks at a time is pretty incredible as opposed to, you know, getting, you know, thousands and hundreds, tens of thousands of dollars through 
through PACs and, and, and large wealthy corporate donors. Now they've capped some of that a little bit, but the reality is there's ways, you know, if you're wealthy, to buy influence, which is problematic. It's, it's probably, it's, and again, we talked about this last week, you know, the fear is in the church that the same thing happens, right? Well, the more money, those, the people who give, if the pastor knows how much you give, the more money you give, the better pastoral care you receive, or the, be, the more voice you have, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I love that when we sit in our council meetings and we have discussions based on finance, we have people who struggle financially on our council. Yep. Intentionally. We have people who don't struggle financially on our council intentionally because I think it's in, one of the things I think it's really important in terms of representation um, is that there's, there is representation from different, um, different folks on our council. I don't know, what's the gender breakdown off the top of my head? One, two, three, four, we have at least four women it's council. not quite half. It's not quite half, but we're, we're close um, in terms of gender on council. Um, I, 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 think, I, I think that diversity piece is, is, is important in terms, of, in terms of leadership and having conversations that affect an entire congregation. If only one group is represented, then we're going to struggle. You know, we, need those, we need those voices uh, which is what's lacking in our in our system today. Um, you know, we're 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 far too lacking in diversity of voice in those making decisions for for our country. Um, it's just it's everybody needs a voice. It's 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 the way we're supposed to be set up. It's the things that we tout, um, but in reality, it's not actually lived out in that fashion. And that becomes deeply problematic Well, when it's all said and done. And recognizing as well, so we, we've talked multiple times about the impending housing crisis. And yeah. recognizing we have people in our congregation that are going to be affected by that. And what, what do we do about that? Yeah. How, how do we help? How do we... Because I think most of us recognize that that's a kind of help that for many of us is beyond our our resources and our ability to help it's i can pay my own mortgage i can't pay mine and someone else's yeah um now so it's kind of that question of how do we as the church support and figure out how to help those people, not just in our community, but in our own congregation that are going to be facing those problems. Yep. Because that, that is not a reality that is somehow outside of us. Right. Um, it is definitely something that is going to be affecting uh, many people yeah. in Even our in the midst of our, of our affluent community. Right. We have people... And, and maybe it's maybe that's part of the issue. You know, we are in an affluent affluent community, and you know, there's we're doing a the chamber is putting on a, a housing summit. I want to say in September. I don't know. I need to put that back on my calendar. Um, is doing a housing summit, and one of the there's two there's two target really demographics in which we really need to impress upon one. Is is our our elected officials, our county commissioners, and such, um, when they start zoning for housing? This community is very non-growth, slow growth. We don't want to overdevelop. Blah 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 blah. So we're more willing to put up luxury luxury places that are more square feet, higher dollar value. Um, so less volume of people as opposed to smaller units that are more affordable. So one, one area that really needs to be addressed is, is that commissioner's area, you know, to hit them, to listen, like, I get it, but if we don't have affordable housing, workforce housing, 
And that, so that's a new term, workforce housing as opposed to affordable housing. Because right. affordable housing the, pe gets, the people who are working in the restaurants that all the affluent people want to go eat yeah. at, who are working at the publics where you buy your grocery stores. Yep. Because um, the, the business owners are feeling the crunch. You know, right. They can't, they can't find employees. Because they're not here anymore. Because they're not here anymore. Or they have to pay them more. Um, or they're, they're closing their, their restaurants or stores on certain days of the week because they can't find staff. Yeah. So when you price, <laughs> when you price quote, your workforce out of the area, you create a whole other slew of problems. And if your back of the house folks in the restaurant are riding their bikes to work, they have to live close to the, the restaurant, yep. which a lot of a lot of back of the house folks are young kids, um, or or folks riding bikes, and trying to work in trying to staff your kitchen when someone ha can no longer bike there is is a challenge. See, and this is for me, you know, the merging of you know when people don't want us to talk about um, faith and politics together. It's kind of one of those things, but there is a merging. There has to be if you're going to live it out. Um, it's all fine and dandy for me to sit there and say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus, but I'm not going to actually advocate or work for the things that Jesus was working and advocating for. And that involves having to address issues that become, quote, political. Um, because it does matter in terms of, well, how are we going to address these issues? And people are like, well, that's not the government's, you know, the government shouldn't be doing that. Uh, you know, it, it should all be relied on upon personal charity. Um, I'm, I'm going to say at least, and, and granted, we do not live and should not live in any way, shape, or form in a theocracy. Um, at the same time, what is best for our society, what is best for the well-being of human beings, I think, Christian or not, we can all maybe start to, like, try to agree upon. <laughs> um, and yes, my faith does help inform that. It at least gives me a framework for uh, ways in which to address it, ways in which to look at it. Um, ways to draw attention to it. Um, yeah. Because if I do look beyond just Jesus and I look to what preceded him in, in the Hebrew scriptures, um, there was definitely a focus on caring for the poor. There was a focus, and it wasn't just personal charity. It was, this is how the society needs to function in order for this society to actually thrive. Yep. And your prophets were kind of down on how, you know, basically saying, look, if you guys don't get this together, you will fail as a society. You, you will destroy yourselves because it's sort of the natural outcome of inequality and um, the ways in which um, oppression works is eventually that type of society falls apart. And whether it's because it becomes too weak to fend off invaders um, or it just implodes, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole slew of reasons that, that it collapses, but ultimately it collapses because you have um, the, these injustices going on. You have this um, underlying... Uh, problem of when your people live in poverty, of when your people uh, are not living a life that allows them to truly live life. I, I don't recall, I'm, I'm, but I'm pretty certain in the text, the commandments about coveting are not mentioned. 
um, in in the text for this week. Oh, when he, I, he's I, listing I, off all the things. Yeah, I don't think coveting was one that was that was mentioned. Um, I don't think so either. Right, I'm I'm pretty certain. And and again, it goes back to what's Jesus is Jesus really hitting the money piece, or is it the thing that you covet? Right. Right. So, in in this conversation, our community covets this this um this beautiful more affluent um area at the expense of workforce housing um and that's and that's a challenge it's you know it's 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 what this co this community covets um and so it's interesting you were talking about you know, it's one of the things that you know, people often complain pre about talking politics and, and faith, right? Mm -hmm. So the two things that we really get pushback on is that and when we talk about race. Right. Those are the things that we repeatedly have gotten pushback on for addressing, um, whether it be in Bible studies, you know, the books we, the books we do book studies on, or things we preach about. And our pushback has always been, listen, like one, this is not out of bounds. Scripture addresses it. So it's not unbiblical. Um, two, it needs to be, a, like these things are, are issues in, in society. And we had, I, I, so I've heard two quotes around that. One, was someone literally saying, um, we don't have that issue here. <laughs> or, or, sure, the issue exists in this community, but most of us aren't from here. Correct. That, that was my, one of my favorite ones. They Correct. were from up north where it doesn't exist. Correct. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty um, sure it did and does, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Correct. So I, I am not, I am not, I am not a person who is um, who relishes and gloats at being correct. There are many times I want to be wrong so badly. Please I'm, I'm, let I, me be wrong about this. And I'm wrong a lot. I'll, 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 I'll own that. Yesterday... You know, it surfaced that the night before, so today's Wednesday, Monday night, late Monday night, there was a Facebook, no, a uh, social media post, I don't believe it was Facebook, um, of um, some students at one of our local middle schools that post that were holding letters, letters colored um, like watermelon and zebras, that spelled out the N-word in our community, in our middle school, Monday. Not 1960, not 1950s, not 1980, or even 90s, Monday. Now, we can say, you know, we don't have that really issue, you know, well, you know, these are just, these are just some, some bad. At least one of the kids attended our preschool. And that's not an indictment of our preschool or our teachers or whatever. But to say that these things are not important and should not be addressed and don't affect our community, it's on our, it's literally on our, it's not even on our doorstep, it's inside our walls. Like, not doorstep, walls. And, 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 I, and I, there's other information out there that really just makes me mad. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> this, Yay. This is where Pastor to Chad is controlling. Filter. Yeah. He, he's so having a filter on, there, on a, all the words. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's, other, there's other information out there that is even, that is not as infuriating, but adds to the fire um, and disgust. That is just, it's absolutely appalling. And 
the reality is, like, these things are issues in our community. And if you talk to people of color, especially, they, they see it They see it regularly. constantly. And maybe not every day, but they see it constantly. Well, and, and we just say, uh, it's, not, it's not an issue, or... You should see the looks people give me when I remind them that Palm City had segregated bathrooms up until the 1990s. Yeah. And, you know, I, I regularly like to pull that one out to remind them, you know, I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was in college in the 90s. And that, that was, well, I, I should say I was in college in the early 90s. I was actually in the workforce living in California um, in the mid to late 90s. So it's kind of one of those, you know, things where this was not a super long time ago. I, I did one of the, the trolley it, tours in downtown Stewart, they, like, where they give you, like, the history and stuff. They're, first of all, it's really amazing. They don't talk about the segregated bathrooms. Um, but, you know, it's, so again, what do we covet? We covet the ignorance, and not ignorance as in stupidity, the, 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 the ignorance of, I don't need to see it. I can ignore it. I have the privilege to ignore it. I'm sorry I used the word privilege, and I use the word privilege as a trigger word. We use the privilege, and then people get upset because they really don't. I use the word privilege on purpose. Um, you know, there's this, there's, you know, we, we covet that, that privilege that, that innocence that allows us to say, oh, well, this isn't an issue here because it keeps, it makes us, it, it keeps us comfortable. Well, for my own mental health, many times I have to disengage from stuff. And I feel guilty about that sometimes because I'm like, I know I have the, again, the privilege of being able to do that. Yep. It is not my lived reality. Yep. Therefore, I am able to disengage from it for a while and not have it be a constant something I'm coping with or dealing with. And that goes back to, you know, I think what I said earlier about making, about going, oh, do I take this time? Where do I draw the line between doing and, and not? And you know, so last night there was a school board meeting. And I, somehow it was not on my radar and, and should have been. So I saw the school board meeting after the fact and I saw a, a call for people to show up at the school board meeting after the meeting. Again, yesterday was a little crazy, short of running around and everything. And I literally was like, I said, I said to my wife, I said, I missed the school board meeting. I should have been there. I should have been there. And it feels, and there were, there were this, this, the worst part, um, there were lots of speakers, <laughs> um, you know, calling the school board to task. Listen, like, this is an issue in our schools and it needs to be addressed. Um, there were three, three Caucasians who spoke. Three. Out of, I'm gonna, I don't know, I didn't count, but it had to be 20, 30 people that spoke. Three. Three white voices calling out. And that's not to say that other folks aren't appalled. Right. I, I've, I've, and again, I've spoken to many. But, but this kind of goes to what allyship looks like. Yes. From the standpoint of um, when we make the people who are the targets have to fight the bulk of the battle. Yeah. And one of the it's, ladies said that. One of the ladies said, I am here because I don't want this to just be an issue for, the, for that community, for, for right. people of color. I want this well, to be an issue for all of us to address. And while I can't, I can't obviously speak to the, the racism issue, I can speak to the sexism one. Um, in terms of what I know allyship looks like there. And it's one thing if I get up and talk about, and, and this has happened here, um, is if I get up and I talk about 
how women are viewed in the Bible and how God views them, et cetera, et cetera. I get labeled, oh, she's that radical feminist and ignored. Feminism is one of those things that has a really bad connotation to it because it's misunderstood. And right. I don't know if it's intentional or not. I suspect that it is. But feminism is, is um, almost, no, the perception is, the misperception of feminism is that feminism is anti-male. And it's not. Well, so, so let me tell you how this has gone down. This, this actually went down before you got here. Right. So my first Easter sermon, I talked about Mary Magdalene. And to me, it was not a hugely, quote, feminist kind of, it was just pointing out, hey, look, who's the first person to go spread the good news? It was Mary. Yeah. You know, so if you're, you're thinking women can't do this, this is, here, here's, here's your te text that <laughs> clearly shows this. I got told afterwards that that was one heck of a bra-burning um, sermon. And mm. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Um, <laughs> and... I mean, it's kind of right there in Scripture. Like... Yeah. So a following Easter a male pastor gave a similar sermon and someone came up to me after that sermon and said, wow, I never really thought about Mary being the first evangelist. And I looked at them and I went, well, I can tell you right now, I've preached on that a couple times. They said, well, it's different when, when a guy says it. So on the one hand, I'm mad because it, a guy has to be the one to say it in order for it to be taken seriously. On the other hand, given that is the reality, that's how important in, in terms of, of at least sexism, the male voice is yeah. in trying to break down those, some of those barriers because that is who people are listening to. Therefore... And so I take that to the next step. It's, it's using your, in, for lack of a better term, influence. Right. Not for, your, not for yourself. Which is, for the better in my view, kind of how the issue of racism works as well. Correct. Um, straight white male getting up talking about and it's a um, hard, it's a hard, allyship. It's a hard balance. And this is something I've learned over, over the last few years and I'm so, I'm so grateful for, for colleagues. Um, I had a colleague in Gainesville, Pastor Terrence, who is South African of Indian descent, so of color. And you know, I've learned so much for him. Um, and, and find, it, it's, so for me, I, and I still stumble at times with what is my place in that ally role to listen and make space for voices of color and also be a voice in support of and it's it's a it's a dance it is it's yeah, a dance. there's and, there's times where white people need to shut up and just listen and i and i i i don't dance well like both in reality and in this i'm learning i'm learning to do this dance better than i am like just like my dancing. number one usual rule of thumb of when i'm supposed to shut up <laughs> is when I'm looking at a conversation, I say, is this me trying to tell black people how they're supposed to feel or how they're supposed to see something? Yeah. Or is it me telling others, hey, maybe you need to listen? And that's usually where I'm, you know, where my balance is, is I'm like, if I'm trying to say, oh, well, that's not racism, that's this is da 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 da, I'm like, you know what? I think maybe I need to just shut up and listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely. Because I, I'm talking out of my experience, which is not their experience. Yeah. And if it's my experience, not their experience, I have to recognize that, again, not if a, the if same. If a person thing. of color says it's racist, uh, Probably racist. Probably racist. Yeah. I don't think I get to vote on that. Yeah. I, I don't. And that's okay. I shouldn't. 
I, we're, we're kind of we're kind of getting close to out of time, and yep, we are. I, I'm not I'm not sure how much longer my filter can stay like in place. Um, it's 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 an interesting move we made though from um, give up all your possessions to <laughs> well because because ultimately the text isn't just yes. about giving up money. It's yeah, about yeah. those things you covet and in things that get in the way. Right, and you know is does our privilege lifestyles do, do our lifestyles. Do our politics get in the way of our relationship and, man, and our relationship, not just with Jesus, but in manifesting that relationship with Jesus with the world? Because that's really what it comes down to. With, Again, with, with literally other people. Yeah. Like for me, that whole personal relationship with Jesus stuff, I want you to have a personal relationship. That's great. But if it's just an internal relationship and doesn't get lived out in the community, and I know I'm talking really fast, then it really, what is, what is, that, what, what is the point of that relationship? But because Jesus specifically says... Whatever you're doing to other people, you're doing to me. Correct. So that is part of that relationship. Correct. We say, oh, my personal relationship with Jesus. Well, there's nothing, I shouldn't say there's nothing. The whole point of scripture is not your individual faith. No. It's about community. It's about relationship. I'm done. On that note. On that note. Next week, I think, is something to do with Philippians. Philippians. So. I think Paul's in jail or something. I don't know. <laughs> So we'll, we'll talk about that next week. We're, we're moving on from uh, uh, the, the, the texts that make us do the butt shift. So, yeah. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know. We still might be butt shifting. but Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. We'll see. So, all right. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Bye, Bye. everybody.